We are so excited you've decided to listen to this week's sermon podcast. Hey, we release sermon podcasts weekly, so be sure to follow us and hit that notification bell so you can be notified when episodes are released. God bless and enjoy. In all thy ways, acknowledge him. And he shall, well, this is a huge word. It could have said could, might, possibly. Said he shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thy own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Writes the wisest book according to scripture to ever be written. I want to go to the New Testament, 1 Corinthians. For those of you that don't know, this is Apostle Paul writing his first book back to the church at Corinth after departing from there. And he says, But as it is written, I hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither have it entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. Is there anybody here that loves him? Is there anybody here that trusts him? Is there anybody here willing to depart from all evil? And yes, there was a reason for the song because I want to preach and teach for just a little bit. Only Jesus can satisfy your soul. Amen. Let's lift our hands together. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your goodness and your mercy. Thank you for the word that went forth here today. Thank you for everything that's happening in this place. Thank you for those that have been baptized over the past few months going on now. And those that will be baptized today. You're touching hearts, old and young alike. We thank you for that. Just move us today one more time with your message. Let us hear the word. Let us understand it. And then let us respond to what your spirit is speaking to us. We'll give you all the praise and all the honor and all the glory. If you believe it's done, say in Jesus' name, amen, and love him one more time if you believe it. Amen. God bless you. Forgive me for not having a tie on. I don't believe you've got to have a tie on to preach, but I believe it's best to be your best. And uh, my shirt went to the cleaner and, and came back with the button over here. And I threw it on and got ready. And that 15-inch uh, collar don't go on this 17-and-a-half-inch neck. And so a tie wasn't in the uh, options today. So just forgive me, and then I'll forgive you. And <laughs> you have on unmatching shoes. Amen. There's a, uh, there's a little story, and I've, I've shared it uh, on, on a social media platform, I think, and maybe a year ago or something, but I've been holding on to this, and I read it quite often, and I've shared it with some of you because it is a, a very interesting story that, that fits our times. And, uh, you know, we, we, live in a, we live in a society right now that is absolutely full of persuasion and perversion. 
Every, I'm, I'm not saying every person. I'm, I'm not saying that. Don't, don't misunderstand me. Uh, but many of the things that, that our children and students and adults are hearing and some of the revelations people are coming up with are just unreal ungodly. I mean, just way out there, and uh, some of it could be preached, and it would just uh, it would sound it would just sound terrible. So I'm just going to tell you, if you follow the Lord, and if you follow His purpose and His plan and His will for your life, you'll never be caught up in any of that. You won't need to have that kind of preaching. You won't need it, and so. Uh, people feel like all across the world and sometimes it, it gets into uh, the saints into pastors and into the church world and I want to make sure that we do things uh, orderly and, and, and correct and, and the way that God wants them to be and so this this little story it's a, it's a unique little story but just go with me and picture an imagination with me for a little bit puzzled at the strong smell of gas in the morning air, Bill slows from a jog to a stop. Spotting Jim with a watering can, he breaks his silence. Hey, beautiful morning, isn't it? Wonderful, replies Jim. Bill says, do you smell that? It smells like gasoline. Yeah, Jim replies, smiling from ear to ear. I decided to do a little different. I joined the Gas Your Plants Club. It's online, and we have now several thousand members. There's a whole movement of intellectuals, doctors, lawyers, politicians, and celebrities that have started hydrating their gardens with gasoline instead of water. I'm the first on our block. Jim, you know that'll kill your plants, don't you? You will see. This is the second day I've done this, and my plants are doing just fine. I get so tired of judgmental people like you telling me how to care for my own garden. I like to try new things too, counters Bill, but this isn't a philosophical or intellectual issue. You're defying the laws of nature. Jim tuned him out. As Bill resumes his jog, he ponders the situation. If Jim wants to kill his garden, that's his business. Week later, Bill once again slows his pace as he approaches the neighbor's fence. This time he sees Jim slumped over his garden. Are you okay? No, I'm not okay. Can't you see my garden is ruined? I'm so angry at God. How could he allow this to happen? If he were a good God, wouldn't he have kept my garden alive? My wife and I saved money by eating the vegetables from this garden. Jim, I tried to warn you. Can't expect God to suspend the laws of nature just because you're bored with good gardening practices. You can't just invent your own nature laws. When people or societies abandon moral law in the name of innovation and cutting edge societal evolution, they always get the same results. Division, confusion, disappointment, and death. It's a matter of historical record regardless of creed, political stripe, or religious ideology. Moral collapse eventually ruins families, promotes societal violence, and drives calamity and destruction. It's not a matter of opinion, philosophy, or religion. It's a matter of acknowledging the moral laws of the universe. There are consequences, and we can't blame, blame God for what we cause. 
I want to preach to some people today that have tried to run life your way. You've tried to change things your way. You've tried to squeeze in things in your family and in your home and around your house and in your business practices that do not work. They don't fall under the natures of godliness and purity and, and good works and good ethics. And I want to tell you that your family won't survive this. Your business won't survive this. Your soul won't survive this. There's some things that only God is going to be able to do. And he'll always make it feel right even when it hurts. He'll make it right because Jesus Christ is the only one that can satisfy your soul. I want somebody to hear me today. I want, to, uh, I want this to be a pull pit today. I want to pull some souls from the pit of hell that otherwise would live a different and messed up, perverted lifestyle that Paul warned us about. It's time to get ourselves right and in order with the word of God, eye to eye, flesh to flesh, bone to bone, nose to nose with what's true and what's right and what's pure and holy. My plan won't work but his plan always brings total satisfaction. Woo! Hear me. I want us to look at something that's old. We know about the Exodus, second book in our Bible, our King James printed version. We see there where the children of Israel come out they come out of 400 years plus of bondage of the Pharaohs. And I want to just show you what God is up to. And I like this. This is an interesting story. And uh, I just, a few years back in 17 or 18, I shared this with you in a message. And I want to just share this story with you. The Quartermaster General of the United States Army said to feed approximately 3 million people. Listen to this. This is the people coming out of Egypt. They would have taken it, they would have had to have 15 tons of food every day. Three million pounds. That number could not possibly be an overstatement, he went on to say. Do we think that Moses had a plan for three million pounds of food a day? Oh, I'm fixing to preach to you. Moses had one plan. Get out of slavery. Many times we have one plan, and that's get out of sin. But we don't know what's going to happen when we escape Egypt. It's why so many people die in the wilderness. When we step out of Egypt, folks, that's when we got to take the hand of the man who's nail scarred, whose name is Jesus Christ, and understand, I don't know how he's going to feed me. I don't know how he's going to lead me. I don't know how he's going to settle my issues. I don't know how he's going to keep me healthy, but I know I can't die in slavery. Only Jesus can say, only he's got a plan big enough for your problem. Woo. The report goes on to say that it would take two miles of railroad freight cars to get that amount of food wherever the drop point was every day. Do we think that Moses had gotten together with CSX or, or, or Pacific or some rail company somewhere? 
and said, hey, we're going to be a little further around the mountain tomorrow. We're going to need you to stop with that three million pounds right there tomorrow. No, he didn't have it. But again, I'll tell you that God was drawing his people out of a sinful land where sinful gods were being honored and lifted and raised. And God will always make a plan where your plan won't work. There's no food that you can pack out of Egypt that'll last 40 years. That's how long they're going to be there. They can't grow crops. They're on the move. So what does God do? He sends manna every single day. What is manna? Its definition is what is it? They didn't know what it was at the moment. No one to this day, there's some that can tell you what it is. They can give you an answer. But as far as what they believed, they said, what is it? Manna, what is it? It's heavenly. Sometimes, folks, we're going to get an answer and we're going to say, what is it? We're going to say, we don't know how it happened, but what I thought was about to blow up in my face has now been settled. What I thought was going to go wrong against me has now been changed. What I thought was going to cost me my family and cost me my children and cost me my health and my life and my freedom, God has done a work that I could never even have imagined. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man. Come on, God's got a plan bigger than your problem. God's got a purpose bigger than your mistakes. God's got a hope bigger than your pain. Only Jesus. Some turn to the bottle, some turn to the drug, some turn to an extramarital affair, some turn to other things that I can't even mention in this congregation. But here's what I'm gonna tell you. When you really start looking for the satisfaction of that inner emotion and that inner feeling, you won't find it at a bar stool. You won't find it over a lot of cocaine. You won't find it on a pornography site. You won't find it meeting up somewhere in a dark alley. The only thing that's gonna satisfy you is Jesus. Christ come on is there one saint of God in this church that'll help a struggling preacher on a Sunday morning only Jesus watch this watch this a campsite for three million people Quartermaster General says, according to military reports, because they've done it, would take 750,000 acres. This is a quarter of an acre per person. This includes all their belongings, a place for their, their fire, their livestock, their housing, their animals, a place for everything that they have that they may be traveling with just to spend a night. This is a space approximately two-thirds the size of the state of Rhode Island. I want to just tell you something, folks. Moses, tongue-tied Moses, that was scared to even go talk to Pharaoh by himself, ended up having to take his brother with him as a mouthpiece. Aaron could understand him, so he just talked to Aaron in his tongue-tied personal language. He would send the message to Pharaoh, and finally Pharaoh gave in. Could a man like that create 750,000 acres prepared for Three million people to come and stay, not on your life. But the answer was bigger than Moses understood the problem to be. All he said is, I want out of sin. God said, I don't want to just forgive you. I want to bless you. I want to heal you. I want to restore the things that hell has taken from you. I want to put a love in your heart. I want to put a determination in your mind. I want to put hope in your path. 
at 750,000 acre campground, they would need 4,000 tons of firewood chopped and brought to each and every campsite every single day. Eight million pounds of firewood ready to be burned at a different location every day. You think Moses had that planned? I want to tell you something. Some of us are looking things in the eyes right now. Hear me right now. I'm speaking to you under an unction of the Holy Ghost. There's some things some of us are facing. We don't know how we'll get 750,000 acres. We don't know how we'll get 3 million pounds. We don't know how we'll get 8 tons, whatever I read to you, of firewood every day at a new location. We can't call in a train where there's not a track. But somebody needs to understand what I'm preaching. That God of yesterday is the God of today and he's already posted up in tomorrow. He's got a plan. Whatever he's got to bring down, he'll bring down. Whatever he's got to build up, he'll build up. I could call out some things that I feel right now, but I'm gonna just make sure it ain't me. If it comes back, I'm coming back to you, but somebody needs to listen to me right now. God's plan is bigger than your pain. The ending God has written for you is the most beautiful script. Peace, joy, and heaven too. Only Jesus. Only Jesus. I believe in heaven. I've never been there. I've been knocked out a few times. I've had some major surgeries in my life. I've never seen lights. I've never seen a tunnel. I've never seen the lights at the end of a tunnel. So I can't tell you anything about heaven except what I've read. I haven't talked to anybody personally that's ever been there. But I'm gonna tell you one of the most terrifying Things I ever heard in my life was a man that was two doors down, my neighbor. I was sharing this story with the bishop the other day. We'd talked about it probably 25 years ago, but he lived two doors down from me, was my next door neighbor's neighbor. I had a chance, Missy and I, to talk to them and know them and have conversation with them from time to time. His wife kept asking him, please just go to church with me. Please just go to church. He was dying a slow death with cancer. Had every opportunity to go to an altar. Had every opportunity to go to a baptistry. I'm not a judge, but I'm going to tell you what I heard. As he lay there and his breaths got a little slower and his oxygen started to fail a little farther and his heartbeat slowed down just a few moments before he drew his last breath his wife said I began to hear the most terrifying thing I've ever heard in my life he said the soles of his feet were burning he said now my ankles are burning now my knees are burning he began to scream I think I'm headed into hell Somebody listen to me right now. That sounds so scary and so terrifying and, and, and it's going to cause the kids to ask questions. Maybe you'll have the right answer because maybe you'll come to an altar today and you'll get your life and your home and your situations in order and let God's plan be a greater plan than hell's plan. 
Some people got too much pride to be saved. I promise you, both places, heaven and hell, is going to be a loud place. You might as well go ahead and take the muffler off now and choose you this day who you're going to serve. Make it known. Make it understood. Make it recognizable. Are you going to go to heaven or are you going to go to hell? Only Jesus can satisfy your soul. Come on. Every night the fire would follow them. And then as it would happen, I guess probably some dietitian started saying, Lord, they need protein. What does he do? Along with manna, he sends quail for them to eat. Not only does he send quail, check this out though. It's already plucked and cut and cooked. It don't fly down and just land in their hand for them to eat. It falls ready. So here they are every day. Now they've got this, they've got this quail. It's cooked. It's not just cooked. It's cooked on an altar in eternity somewhere. And it's fallen for three million people, over 750,000 acres of property to the campsite every day and every night. Somebody hear me. That same fire that was cooking that quail would guide them at night along with a cloud by the day. Do you think humanity had that planned? See, some of us, we start letting our minds wander. The enemy will tell us, well, those stories are impossible. They are in your mind. But they're not impossible. Come on. Some of us are looking at some situations in our life. We have no idea how it can work out. But here's what I know. Each and every time. See, my wife is my confidant. I'm not going to pick the phone up and call uh, most of you. There may be one or two that I would call about something, and that's not a diss towards anybody. But I believe for you to look at me on a Sunday and say, that's the pastor, and he's leading me. I don't need to be complaining to you every day. So my wife is my confidant. When I got a problem, I go to my wife. God's filled her with the spirit, give her wisdom to be the wife of a pastor all these years. And I go to her and I tell her something. And we were talking about a situation today and I just said something about, I just, I hope this all works out right. I hope, and she said, you have got to be trusting in God. You got to practice what you preach. Somebody listen to me. Every person in this room has situations and problems and ideas and things that we're facing. Some are family related. Some are financial related. Some are friendship related. Some are children related. Some are fear related. Some are anxiety related. Some are medical health issues. And we wonder what in the world is God doing with this? He's preparing 750,000 acres, 3 million pounds of food, cooked quail and manacle. What is it? He's bringing a railroad in where there are no tracks. He's delivering wood where there was no fire. Come on, somebody. And it's not like 40 years was carrying them around and around a freshwater lake either. The Bible said that they began to be thirsty and said, oh, I'd rather go back and die in Egypt. At least I'd have garlic and leeks and they had water to drink. And here's what the Lord does. He said, you go right over there to that flint rock. And when you speak to that flint rock or when you cast it this time, I am going to make water begin to pour from it. The reason he chose a flint rock is it's the driest rock in the world. 
It's what starts fires. But God opened up a water faucet for three million people out of the driest rock known to the earth. Uniquely enough, we don't find anywhere where they transported water for the next 40 years. Here's what I believe. There was another time when God gave another order about the same thing. I believe God went from rock to rock to rock to rock to rock. He said, if you'll be there, I'll make provisions. Somebody say, hear me, if you'll get in God's will, he'll make a provision for what you're dealing with. If you'll quit piddling, Quit playing church. Quit tipping God with your time, talent, and treasure. Pretending he's your waiter. Buy in. I need his provision. I need his water. I need his manna. I need his quail. I need his firewood. I need his fire. I need his cloud. Do you know the Bible? The Bible says that their shoes grew with their feet. I can wear a pair of shoes two or three, four years now. I got a couple dress uh, pair that's lasted me a while. But somebody hear me right now. You, you, you wear your shoes. You wear them out. After a while, they get messed up. And Moses, Moses was calling and saying, hey, I'm looking for all the leather smiths. And the Lord said, what's the deal? Well, and I'm not going to try to talk tongue-tied and, 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 and make somebody frustrated with me, but he still hadn't had a healing. And so he's talking to God in, in a language that only apparently Aaron and God can understand real, real well. And he says to him, Lord, uh, uh, these people are going to run out of clothes and shoes. There's going to be a problem. And the Lord said, now, Moses, now this ain't in the Bible. This is in the one and one. He said, now, Moses... Just go with me again. Now, first of all, you left three million slaves, walked out of Egypt without a battle. Did you do that? And then when you got over there to the water's edge, I caused the water to spread, and you walked across on dry ground, and 600 of the greatest chariots and the Navy SEALs of the day drowned. While all these ignorant folks that didn't know anything about me, that's never been in my presence except within the confines of slavery. They've never been able to worship me freely. They walk across on dry ground and the greatest army in the world drowns. Did you plan that? What about all that food? Did you? And now you're going to get concerned about a piece of leather strapped on the bottom of somebody's feet? Come on, I want to preach to somebody right now that God's not just a God of the big picture. He's a God of the details. He's a God of the little things. He's a God of the moments. He's the God of the second and the nanosecond. He's not a... I'm almost done, Sister Beckham. Somebody hear me right now. You need to hear what I'm preaching. If you would just get in line with God... Repent of your sins. Take on his name in water baptism. Go down and let it be washed away. He will change your eternal circumstances. Wow. Folks, this is stuff that only God can do. You know, bottled water is still a few years out. So when that water, according to the Portermaster General, 
who prepares for these size of wars and this type of movement and this type of camping, here's what he says. Would have taken 11 million gallons of water per day to stay hydrated and maybe keep an animal with small amounts of water. 11 million gallons of water a day flowing out of the driest rock known in history. You planned that? You worked that out, didn't you? You popped that out of the mountain. You drilled that well. Uh Uh-uh. No, we didn't. And I'm going to tell you something. You're not going to fix your home until you give it to God. You're not going to fix your finances until you give it to God. You're not going to you're not going to have your health issues settled until you give it to God. You're not going to have your tax issues settled until you give them to God. Your children are not going to come home until you give them to God. Your marriage is not going to work out until you give that to God. God, I'm taking my hands off of it. I love him, I love her, but I won't try to fix it for myself. You're the God of the big plan. You're the God of the big moment. They may not all work out in the end, but you don't have to be lost over it. Hell would try to drag you down during the mistake. Not on my watch if you don't want to serve him with me. Moses had some helpers. Come on, he had some helpers. He had some people that was trying to help him work it all out. Somebody just hear me right now. I'm going to read my last little passage to you. Jeremiah 29 and 11. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. (laughs) Then shall you call upon me, and you shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you, and ye shall seek me and find me when ye shall search for me with all your heart. And I will be found of you, saith the Lord, and I will turn away your captivity. I will gather you from all nations and from all places whither I have driven you, saith the Lord. And I will bring you again into the place once I caused you to be carried away captive. Somebody hear me right now. The only reason he's ever gonna take us back to where we were captive is to be a minister, a witness, or a warrior. It won't be to go back into captivity. It'll go. It'll be to go back and destroy what almost destroyed me. It'll be to be a living, breathing testimony in the middle of what tried to kill me. See, here's what's happened. There's two kinds of people I find. Well, three. There's, there's some that just do it right. And then there's some that say, well, God don't expect me to do anything. He just wants me to show up. And I like those kind of people because I believe if you'll show up, God will carry you. And then I've heard other people say, well, you got to get all that right before you can come to church. That's the biggest lie that's ever been belched up from the pits of hell. Nobody here was saved the first time you went to an altar. See, it's a lie. Well, I got to get my life right. I got to get things in order. No, you don't. You don't want to steal the miracle of Calvary. 
You want to fall on your face and not say, Lord, I've given all this up for you and I've done all this for you. But you want to walk to an altar and say, I'm a dirty, rotten sinner on my way to hell without you. I need your acreage. I need your wood. I need your manna. I need your quail. I need your cloud. I need your fire. I need your water. I need your revival. I need your answers. To the addict, the Lord will say, just give it to me. The enemy says, oh, don't you dare go to church. Those people know you. They know about you. They know who you are. They know what you do. They've heard you. They, they know all. And? And? You're going to come in smiling. You just now got through cussing each other on the way to church. And now you're going to lift your hands and act like you're some holier than now something. No, that's how you're going to fix what just happened. Yeah, well, okay, so Friday night happened. But now it's Sunday. You can't go back and fix it. The only person that's going to repair the mistakes you made 48 hours ago is Jesus Christ. It's only Jesus that's going to reach back and wipe off the past. And if you let him wipe off the present, and if you let him guarantee the future, he's not a man that he can lie. And he said, before I formed you, in your mother's womb, I knew you. I had plans for you. I had a future established for you. Most military strategists, most world leaders agree right now, more than at any other time in history, more than any other time in history, we're closer to a world war that will bring absolute destruction and famine. And imagine this, two-thirds of the world been on fire. That kind of sounds like something I heard in the Bible. And they agree that that could happen right now for the first time ever. 22 nations got together this last week to make the U.S. dollar have no value in their nation, just like the Iraqi dinar a number of years ago. It's never came back online. There's people that are turning that we've given billions of dollars to. Continue while our people starve and burn on islands. And there's no answers to things that are going on. We're shelling out billions of people that are sitting there sticking us in the back over and over and over and over, coming against us. Here's what I want to tell somebody. God's got a plan. This great, with all of its scars and all of its past and all of its mistakes, is still a bright spot in the eye of God because there are some Christian people that are still praying. There are some people that still believe in the name of Jesus. There's still some people that believe that only he can satisfy their soul. There's still some people that'll call on him during trouble, that'll call on him and have a prayer life. 
What are we going to do if the whole world turns against us? I don't know. That may be the quickest ticket to heaven. But either way, God has a plan bigger than that. Somebody hear me right now. He's come against your family. He's tried to separate you from your children. He's tried to cause the greatest of problems to come. The Lord worked it all out this morning because I was set to to hear the teaching. I got to hear about the first 22 seconds of it. My wife called and she said, baby, I hate to bother you, but I got a flat. I jumped up, went home, picked her up, got back about 10.35. Didn't want to bother the service or look like I'd come in that late. So I just went on over to my office. In that, it caused me to be a little late. And in that... I've gotten to where I try to visit with everybody before church and not to talk about anybody's problems or situations, but I just try to go around and visit everybody. Well, I missed that today, and I think that was a God moment because I didn't know you would be here. And so now I'm preaching to you. If you're in the room, I'm preaching to you. The things you're chasing right now are going to end in disaster. Those ungodly situations that you're searching for, that you're longing for. If you'll rekindle a fire with God, He will rekindle the fire in all your relationships. Well, will it always work, Pastor? No, that won't always work. Because it takes two parties to make a home. And sometimes one just won't go and God won't force himself. But I'll tell you what he'll do. He'll give you peace while you're walking away. Come on. Somebody hear me. You're looking for answers. You can spend your money on all the medications you want to and that's fine. You can go to all the counselors, the psychiatrists, the psychologists, and the doctor, and you can pour your heart out to an unregenerated person that don't even know what you've got a hold of in the past. Or you can say, I'm headed back to an altar, not only of forgiveness, but of renewal and restoration and completion. It may hurt, but God is going to satisfy my soul. My family may turn against me, but I refuse to let it cause me to turn against him. Pastor, every time I get close to God, it seems like I have less friends. That ought to be the first sign about your friendships. Every time I get closer to God, it causes. Well, that ought to. Somebody hear me right now. There is a heaven to gain. Walls of jasper, gates of pearl, streets of gold. The city where the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the earth. That his glory is so incredibly powerful. He don't need a solar panel. He don't need a generator. He won't need the sun. His very existence will light the entire 1,500 mile cube city called heaven. Cubed. Light. Light. 
Bible said there'd be 30 minutes of silence. I preached a message a couple times over the years, and I won't preach it again soon. I'm not even going to dodge a title. I'm going to use the same title called the 31st minute. Because I got a feeling after them 30 minutes of silence, we used to say Katie bar the door and didn't even know what that meant as kids. But I'm going to tell you something. Heaven is going to even enjoy a new revelation. Come on. He's got angels singing holy all the time, and he's not satisfied. When I tell you heaven is going to have a new revelation, I'm telling you that in the 31st minute of eternity, when the saints of God that went through all this hell down here get to stand on streets of gold and rejoice, what's that going to sound like? What's that going to feel like? What's that going to be like? But we're going to have to trust his plan. I want the singers and musicians to come. We're going to baptize in a little bit, but I don't want to do as I usually do and get ready now. I want us to stand across this building. I want you to hear me, sinner, saint, husband, wife, widow, widower, child just old enough to understand, young person, listen to me. You can go a lot of places and you can find a whole lot of temporary satisfaction. But as I tell every couple when I have the opportunity and the blessing to speak into their lives some type of a counsel for their marriage, here's what I tell them. And nobody, if you've ever been in one of those, please don't respond. I say, here's, here's God. Here's a spoke to you. Here's a spoke to him. Here's a spoke to the kids. A spoke to the business. A spoke to the finance. A spoke to the health. A spoke to all this. The fact is this. The house might burn. The business may collapse. Your husband may die. The children will grow up and walk away and you may not hear from them months on end. Oh, pastor, not my family. Don't you kid yourself. There's 50 of these great United States. They'll pick the one they want to live in. You'll look up someday and it'll just be the two of you connected to God. My point is when everything else is gone, well, what about my party friends? What about my buddies? What about the, all that's going to be gone. That's just a spoke. We're trying to get tied into the wheel, in the middle of the wheel. You know, it's hard to think about, but this church is going to melt away someday. It's going to be gone. It's just going to be ashes. This beautiful, beautiful place that we get to worship in that we call our home and, and then by faith and continuing in the will of God when we make a transition to a new, a new place, a new building, a new facility, that place, once we've dedicated it to the Lord, it's going to be a beautiful place to worship Him no matter what it is. It's going to be in a place where there's much more attraction, but somebody, let me tell you, the only thing that's going to satisfy is Jesus. I want every saint of God to hear me right now. Every lukewarm, what is that, Pastor? I've never even heard the term. As saints of God that, have, that are no longer hot, they're no longer on the fire. They just kind of got, just got a little warm. Been a long time since they prayed through. Been a long time since they admitted they needed God. Pastor, this is a little harder preaching than usual, but you're getting it. That's all that matters. I can tell a bunch of cute stories and I can smile. I can have my hair permed and look as cute and smile as big as the rest of them. 
God didn't call me to do that. He called me to come preach to you today that the only thing that's going to satisfy what you're looking for is Jesus. Another acre won't do it. Another cow won't do it. Another horse won't do it. Another trailer won't do it. Another car won't do it. Another jet ski. Another Harley. Oh, you're getting on us now. Well, I'll ride one. But a second one ain't going to please me. Everything you're involved in right now shall pass away. But the only thing that's going to stand. Oh, I got my 401k. Your old 401 what? You haven't been paying close attention, I don't guess. Maybe you ought to just keep thinking it's good. Don't look at it. My mind's doing good. Smart aleck, you still got to go to heaven or hell. That's true right there. And so this is just an invitation. We got a couple of young people. I'm, I'm so happy that Hannah could tell me what baptism was and what it's about. That comes through parents and grandparents. And Brother Brian, I had the privilege of pastoring her. I don't know how long, but for a while, I know for certain when she was a child with Brian Emerson. And then, and then, to, and then to hear uh, Aiden and, and, and to see the, the text that, that I got this morning from the family about his baptismal today. It's his revelation. Nobody's telling him. He's got it. He feels it. He knows it. He read it. God's revealed himself through his word. Here's the problem. Too many times we don't have time for his word. We don't have time for his voice. We don't have time for a revelation. We're too busy. Off to the next hope. So I'm giving you an opportunity right now. And I want to do something I never do, but I want to rebuke a spirit of pride and arrogance that would be in this place right now. No pride is allowed here unless it's godly pride. No personal arrogance. You're not above anything. Maybe it'll be better next week, but today I invite you to the altar. What do I do, Pastor? You come to the altar and you say, God, here I am. I don't even know why I'm here. I just know I need to be saved. I don't really even know what all is sin and what's not, but I'm trusting you to open it up to me. And then maybe there's some things you know absolutely you need to separate from. Come to the altar today. Talk to the Lord about it. He said he's quick, immediate to cast our sins as far as the east is from the west.